Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yes. Um, I. What would you like to uh, discuss today? Well, normally we we try not to do a direct ripped from the headlines kind of law yeah, and order we're not, bump bump. Right. Sorry, yeah, you yeah, always we're, have to we're, say that after you say law and order bump bump. Yeah, we're, um, we're 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 not like the producers of law and order, you know, ripped from the headlines, right? Uh, although some not. sometimes we do because sometimes we rip the SCOTUS from the headlines and stuff like that. Yes. But um, but there is a recent thing that I'd like to talk about. And by the time this comes out, it'll be, I don't know, three or four weeks old, but I would still like to to work it out in my brain exactly what happened, if you don't mind um, explaining a little bit. So <clears throat> Mr. Kelly, otherwise known as R. Kelly, right, R&B singer, um, yes. recently was found guilty. And I was a little confused because, and what it reminded me of was the sort of the Al Capone, where they didn't get Al Capone for murdering people, they got Al Capone for tax evasion. <laughs> like R. Kelly, in my mind, is a rapist. He's, he, he's a violent sex offender. Um, and, and I admit that I'm biased. I was not on the jury. I did not see all the evidence. I saw the documentaries and I'm like, man, that dude's jacked up in the head. But that is not, that's not fully how that played out, right? He, he was actually, um, he was prosecuted in not for rape or not directly for rape. Okay. So how, what was he prosecuted for? <laughs> and what do those, what do those things mean ultimately for his long-term incarceration? <laughs> okay. So, uh, in late September, uh, a federal jury, um, September uh, of 2021, Yes, um, okay. uh, a federal jury uh, uh, located um, in New York found uh, R&B singer R. Kelly, um, and his uh, given birth name is Robert Sylvester Kelly. He was found guilty of one charge of violating the Federal Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act and eight charges of violating the Man Act. Okay, so the first one is called RICO, right? For yeah. short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, because that's, that's, because that's the, the government acronym. loves an acronym. <laughs> yes. it, in fact, I think sometimes they name things intentionally to get the acronym. Like they come up with an acronym and they say, okay, now let's work out the words. Or, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, think about, for instance, you and I are very familiar with the USA Patriot Act. Right. Patriot is, actually stands for stuff. Yeah. I mean, basically all the letters in Patriot, okay, <laughs> okay, um, you know, refer to, okay, items, right? right. Okay. It's an anagram, no, uh, acrostic. It's an, it's an yes. acrostic where yes. when you write it out word for word, it down the yes. side, it goes USA Patriot. And in, in, in the USA Patriot Act, uh, 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 for listeners who don't know, uh, was passed post 9-11. Um, and it's the federal law that in part 
uh, created the Department of Homeland Security and uh, was the foundation of the, the US uh, federal government's uh, global war on terrorism, right? right. But RICO, um, uh, uh, the RICO Act or statute, okay, um, is the offense that you kind of sort of referenced a few moments ago, okay? Um, where it's probably gonna lead to R. Kelly receiving a significant jail sentence. But there were other criminal offenses that he was charged with per the Mann Act, okay? So I'm gonna go ahead and, 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 and briefly uh, discuss the Mann Act. And then we'll get to the RICO statute because the RICO statute is actually somewhat controversial, at least as far as criminal defense attorneys are concerned. Okay, okay. wait, sorry. Can I interrupt you briefly and say, this isn't double jeopardy because no. while R. Kelly was tried earlier, he was tried under different charges. Yes, and oh so, yeah, by so, the way, so listeners, people say, and he was and he was found not guilty. And, and right? by the way, uh, yeah, uh, in in previous trials, but right. also listeners know this. Um, even though he's found guilty by a federal jury, he's also uh, facing charges for violating other federal laws and other state laws. <laughs> yeah, he's got several more cases ahead of him. He's not. Yeah. He's not done. But, yeah, he's but not I, done. people yeah. will point to earlier uh, non-guilty verdicts, verdicts and say, yeah. how come he's how come he's being charged again? Well, he's being charged for different. He was different. charged for different crimes this time. That's right. Okay. okay. So he was found guilty of uh, of eight offenses under the Federal Man Act, M-A-N-N -N Act. Um, and that's actually not an acronym, okay? Um, it was actually named for uh, the Illinois congressperson, James Mann, um, who wrote the law. And the Mann Act was passed in 1910, and it uh, criminalizes the transportation of, quote, any woman or girl for the purposes of prostitution or debauchery or for any other immoral purpose. Interesting woman or girl, specific yeah. female does not, does, although R. Kelly, I think was also accused of that there were boys involved. Uh, yes. Occasionally. And, and the Mann Act, when it was subsequently reauthorized, Nia, actually included. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, so when it was written, it was written about women, but then eventually as society progressed, yes, it okay. was also realized that you could do that with boys and men. Men, that's right. Okay. okay. So basically the purpose of the law was to stop interstate prostitution and sex trafficking. Wait, let me guess. Somehow the Commerce Clause was involved in this. Yes. <laughs> because as we know, the government eats the Commerce Clause for breakfast every morning and includes it in every, as a, as a piece of fruit every day in its work. Yes, because as we've discussed previously, Nia, the federal government 
doesn't have police power. Right. If you look at the U.S. Constitution, okay, unlike state governments, which historically have regulated individual behavior for public health and safety, the federal government doesn't have that authority. So how can the federal government yeah. pass criminal statutes? The federal uh, government doesn't care about your health and safety. They care about your money. Okay. So <laughs> if the federal government can go ahead and tie individual behavior that may cross state lines or have a, quote, substantial impact on the nation's economy, then they can regulate it, i.e., make it criminal okay okay and they do okay. that through the commerce clause they, and by they, the way i was kidding they do care about your health and safety I and mean, that's the whole point of hhs and epa and and you know a lot of other agencies i i was being flip um but 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 but, but within your flippancy okay you highlight something that many americans just don't understand even after living in a pandemic because you know you've heard it, I've heard it. You see newspaper accounts about this all the time, Nia. Well, why doesn't the federal government just mandate behavior that would you know reduce the incidence of COVID nineteen? Because it does not have the constitutional authority to authority do that. to do so, right? And it's so a good thing. We don't want a federal government. Yeah, that can I mean, override the states and the states will and do, I mean, because the ideal with government to me is that you have it at the localist possible level, right? And, and I don't and want the federal government fixing the streets in Richmond. I want Mayor Stoney to fix the streets in Richmond because he knows which streets need to be fixed first. He knows which get traveled the most. Like once you would go up through a federal bureaucracy, you would lose all of that nuance. So yeah, lose all that nuance, lose the response in this to the citizens who actually live in the city of Richmond. Exactly. Okay, in okay, their trade-offs, right? I right. mean, and, and, and we saw we've seen this during the pandemic. But with the Mann Act, the basic idea was as we moved into the 20th century, okay, um, you know, Congress responded to a public policy problem, which was. You had recent immigrants to the United States, okay, who, um, you know, were, you know, didn't have jobs, didn't know the language, okay, may not have had homes, and they were easy prey for, you know, sex traffickers. Yeah, okay? come here and work on my farm. Oh, turns out I'm going to sell you, I'm going to sell you into prostitution instead. That's right. So, you know, that was the purpose of the Mann Act, right? And those were the primary offenses that he was charged and eventually convicted of, right? Um, oh, now, when he when he took them over state lines, that became a federal crime. Okay, gotcha. That became that became the federal crime. Okay. Because the allegations that were made was that for over 30 years, R. Kelly and his subordinates within his large organization, I mean, at one point, he was probably 
the best-selling R&B singer in the United States, and for that matter, around the world. Right. Okay. Um, the he offenses, had a large retinue. He had. Yes. Right. I mean, he, a lot he, of people he, around him. Yeah, he had. You know, he had. He had a lot of peeps. He had a large. <laughs> his a, squad was large. Yes, his entourage. Okay, <laughs> was large. Okay, and they basically did his bidding. And according to the federal government, and the jury actually agreed, what his subordinates oftentimes did for him was recruit minor girls and boys, transported them across state lines, used them for sex, and in some cases, controlled their lives, which led to various kidnapping charges, okay? But the thing that tied it all together was the RICO Act, okay? RICO. And this is a federal law that was passed in 1970, okay? 1970. Its original purpose, Nia, was to target mafia organizations. I was going to say, I tie this in my brain to the mafia. Yes. Okay. And basically, this is the way RICO works. Okay. And I'm going to give a hypothetical, right? So let's just say, for instance, I am a mob boss. Okay. And my organization, okay, has various, if you will, businesses. I have a prostitution business. I have a gambling business. I have a loan shark business. I have an extortion business. And then I might have for good measure, because I want to enforce various, if you will, behavioral norms, I have uh, an enforcement business, right? <laughs> you have friendly okay. gentlemen who come around and visit you and tell you to knock stuff off. Yes, right? Okay, you're, you're a little bit late, you know, paying back your loan. They will come by and encourage you to repay, right? Um, you don't uh, uh, pay uh, uh, my various pimps who are running my prost prostitutes, okay? They will come to your house and encourage you to pay what you owe. Right? You gamble in my gambling establishment and you don't make good on your debts. They're going to come gonna... around, give your knees a little bit of loving attention. That's right. Okay. With a baseball bat, yes. encouraging you to pay. They're unlikely to kill you because then you definitely can't pay. That's right. Like they, okay. didn't, they didn't just randomly kill people. Beating you up is a whole different thing than killing you because if they yes. kill you, they never get the money. However, Whereas if they scare you, they can get the money. That's right. However, if let's say there are competitors. They who, might have to go. They may have to go because if they're, if you will, cutting into my market share, okay, you know, this isn't, you know, like legitimate businesses that complain to the federal government, okay, that what I'm doing is violating federal antitrust laws. And would the Justice Department please, pretty please, investigate? Look into me. this. That's right. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> no this is no, when that... they fit you for a pair of cement shoes. 
and drop you into the river. The racketeering or the RICO charge, okay, basically goes ahead and says, I, as the mob boss, okay, control the organization that is engaged in corrupt activities. Okay. Okay. So it's and only for a certain level in the organization. Yes, because how mob bosses frequently avoided prosecution before the RICO statute was their subordinates would get arrested. Right, and go to jail. You're the person who actually broke the guy's knees. You're going to jail and he'd go to jail for three years and they'd take care of his family while he was in jail. And That's right. And subordinates and mob organizations were well known for not snitching on their superiors. Right. In part because they take care of your family, but also in part because they can end you if you do that. That's right. So how do we get around, okay, this, if you will, transparency wall, okay, in organizations? How do we go ahead and skip over some of the ladders in the hierarchy of a criminal enterprise? Well, what you do is you pass a law that basically allows prosecutors to demonstrate that one business or one family was actually in charge of all of these activities, okay, and that they were pulling the strings. And that the act of pulling the strings or running, okay, this, you know, multi-subsidiary business is in it in and of itself a criminal act because without that organization okay then the business enterprise would fail or would be very small like yes okay that it's it it basically tries to limit the size that an organization because people are going to commit criminal activities but if you can limit the size of that criminal activity by saying, oh, no, 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 you have a whole organization here in which you make thousands to millions of dollars and there's a, there's a hierarchy, there's a, there's a plan, that's when you're talking about basically an illegal business. It's yeah. as if somebody set up a business but didn't follow any regulations whatsoever. And you, and you talked about one of the key aspects of the RICO Act um, in one of your more recent comments, the money. RICO allows prosecutors to seize assets before the trial. Aha. Because again, this was another feature of organized crime, you know, mafias. That you would hide the assets immediately. That's right. So even if the subordinates got arrested. Even if your criminal enterprise took a hit, you would have already squirreled away a whole bunch of money. So your reference to, for instance, Al Capone and how the feds end up arresting him and getting a conviction for tax evasion is part of the reason why you get the RICO statute, okay? Because Al Capone never paid taxes because that's another part of the criminal enterprise, tax avoidance. Right. So many of these businesses in organized crime 
were cash transaction laden, right? Well, which makes sense because if you were suddenly paying lots of money, the government would say, where are you getting that money? And then you'd have to say, oh, I'm getting it through illegal activities. And then they would say, yeah, no, you can't do that. Well, so, I mean, and, and even think about, I mean, it's instance, a catch 22. You can't pay taxes on illegally gotten gains. So now you're, now you're guilty of not paying taxes on, on gains, right? So, well, and also too, think about this, Nia, consumers of these businesses don't want a record Oh, yeah. Here, take my credit card for my prostitution, <laughs> you know, for my night for my night out. Yeah, yeah, no. you know, yeah OK, so then your spouse sees it or your parents see it or your friends see it or something. It comes yeah, out because, you know, your employer sees it. Right. Yeah. OK. OK. Uh, you know, you raid your kid's college fund. OK. And your significant other is like, what happened to the twenty five thousand dollar dollars for, you know, Susie's college? You know, uh, -huh. <laughs> uh, uh I, yeah, right. You know, but so that was the thing about Rico, right? So if it they freeze your assets, then it becomes harder for you to pay for a lawyer. It becomes harder for you to, to maneuver, right? Because yeah, you can't pay off subordinates to keep silent. Ah, uh, okay. You can't skip jurisdiction. Okay, because your assets are frozen. <laughs> so okay. there's no leaving the country unless you do it in a rowboat. And your business takes a hit because, again, your assets are frozen. Cash flow. You don't have any yes. cash flow. Okay. And, again, these are businesses that, you know, require, okay, constant infusion of cash, okay, for the, if you will, services or goods of the underlying businesses to continue to operate. Right. Okay. Um, so did they what, do that to R. Kelly? Did they freeze, freeze his yes. assets? Yes, they did. Yep. So does that mean things like royalties on his music got frozen? Uh, yeah. Because um, that would and, be part of his assets, right? Is Yeah, and one of the uh, pretrial motions his uh, lawyers filed in this case was to unfreeze enough assets to pay his legal bills. <laughs> Aha. Oh, the lawyers with their interest in the money. But I mean, this is one of the complaints, not only by criminal defense attorneys, but also civil libertarians. Because Rico in the hands of an overzealous prosecutor I mean, let's just say, for instance, <gasps> can you, you imagine are, if Robert Kennedy had had the RICO Act? Yeah, I mean, he could have went after a lot of mafia families. By the way, he could have also went after a number of labor unions. Yeah, who were who were mobbed up, right? I mean, that was one of the complaints that the Kennedy Justice Department made, which was labor unions, okay, um, were enforcing. Okay, discipline and compliance within their ranks because they had gotten in bed with the mob. Yeah, well, and Hoffa and the whole, all of that is. Yeah, okay. But, but I'm just thinking, wow, that, in, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know that one would term Robert Kennedy overzealous, but he was certainly zealous when but, it came I mean, to these organizations. So I could see is, where somebody would freeze something so much that you couldn't even put up a good defense. 
And we are entitled in this country to a good defense. You are considered innocent until you're proven guilty and you are allowed to have the best defense possible. And in fact, there can be mistrials if you don't have a good defense, if somebody is not able to defend you properly. So I can see the argument that they're making, the defense attorneys are making saying, whoa, 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 we need money for experts. We need money for reports and labs and things like that. Like we need to be able to fund that in order to defend the client properly. And there's two points here. One is, you know, and, and many Americans struggle with this. We have a legal system that is adversarial. So the assumption is your good attorney will be able to go ahead and contest what a good attorney hired by the state, okay, in a presentation of facts and evidence. So, I mean, to your point, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're supposed to have good legal counsel for those accused of crime. But the second point, and this goes beyond just defense attorneys, many civil libertarians have a problem with asset forfeiture done by the government. Okay. And this happens not only with, you know, RICO trials. Okay. Oh, that's true. It could be in the hands of a very zealous person, a money-making venture for the government. That's right. Okay. You know, where, you know, the, the police pull you over and in your car, you have um, a briefcase um, that contains $15,000, your life savings. Now the assumption of many police is, you know, police officers, what the heck are you carrying around $15,000 for? Yeah, I mean, you know, in their experience, anybody that's carrying around $15,000 worth of cash is more than likely engaged in a criminal act, uh, enterprise. Right. Has either right? just sold drugs or is just about to buy some. Yeah, or guns or whatever the case may be, right? Right. Um, and they will seize the assets. Hell, they may even seize your car. Right. Where because your briefcase it- was held, Okay because it is in furtherance of a criminal enterprise. And even if the charges get dropped, in some jurisdictions in this country, the burden is on the individual to show that the cash in the car should be returned. Yeah, that's bananas. I'm not not for that. I I understand why Rico... I understand why they want to be able to freeze your assets because people will super rich people will jump the country. They will, you know, I, I mean, okay, let me just, uh, let me just put out my personal opinion here and please listeners. It's my personal opinion um, because he was found not guilty, but I believe OJ Simpson was found not guilty because he had an exceptional legal team, which he could afford to, he could afford to hire and pay to keep him out of jail for, I believe killing his, ex-wife and her friend right so i mean there is something to be said for there's a different kind of law for people with assets than there is for people with no assets and i assume that what rico's trying to do is even that playing field at least somewhat and say this isn't this should not be about money this should be about guilt or innocence like this should be this is a federal law that learned 
valuable lessons over decades of trying to prosecute organized crime figures, okay? From, you know, connecting the dots, if you will, between criminal activities that are actually part of a single organization to the fact that organized crime figures, okay, would make a whole bunch of money. And as you just pointed out, Nia, then we're able to go ahead and game the system so that the system never touched them, right? Yeah. Okay. So and uh, is part of this also leverage that the government uses to get people to, to plea? Like, yes. okay, wait, let me step back and say, just as a side note, I believe that, what is it, something like 94% of all cases end up in plea deals because both sides would prefer not to go to court. It's expensive for everybody to go to court and it's time consuming and there's the potential of losing on both sides. So it, it's an interest of everyone to come to some sort of agreement, yeah, a, plea, the, uh, a plea deal, right? Yeah, of, those, yeah. Plea bargain. Yeah, the, the most recent statistics I've seen uh, needed to that point is well over 90 yeah. percent of all criminal charges in the United States are pled out. OK, and that and, just and tells you how crazy it is, because it's already our court system is already overburdened, extremely yes. long time between the time you're Yes. you're indicted for something in the time you go on trial. I mean, look at Elizabeth Holmes was two years before she came up with the Thanos trial that's going on now, but, uh, or maybe over by the time you hear this, but anyway, um, that, so I can't imagine if there were 90% more cases, holy cow. So I understand the police system, but I also understand that it disadvantages a lot of people because they don't have money. And they don't have good advice. And so someone says to them, you know what, I'm going to let you off with time served, but a fine of blah, blah, blah. And you have home probation for a year. But now you have this conviction on your record. And, you know, it takes you two or three years to realize you're not going to get a job in the field that you want because you have a conviction on your record or whatever, right? Like it's, yeah, there are a lot of negatives to the American overemphasis on plea bargains, right? It, it creates, for instance, Nia, perverse incentives for prosecutors to overcharge people. Mm. Oh, so they can go down to a charge that they actually think they could win or like? Yes. Okay. So okay. they overcharge um, to, if you will, increase the pressure on a person, on an individual. And then they will, you know, plead down to a lesser charge or remove certain charges to get a plea bargain, right? Um, and then you have, for instance, the fact that, as you just pointed out, those without good legal counsel um, um, are, you know, frequently make bad decisions in regards to uh, plea bargains. Uh, they don't understand the system. Um, uh, so, you know, plea bargains, according to some scholarship I've read, um, tend to have a greater impact on, uh, uh, poor people and people of color. Okay. Um, so do so, you think they offered R. Kelly a deal? 
Or do you uh, think that in this case they didn't because they were interested in? No, uh, uh, from what I read, a deal was offered. Oh, okay. But his attorneys claimed before the trial and after the trial that almost all of the victims in this case misinterpreted their actual relationship with R. Kelly, that they were willing participants um, and that um, uh, uh, the jury okay, was uh, basically hoodwinked by the prosecutor um, into viewing R. Kelly's lifestyle as uh, being bad. Yes. Listeners cannot see my face, but Augie can see my face and he can see the disbelief in my face. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the skeptic you didn't skepticism. Have, that's the, 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 yeah, the that's exactly the word. The, the skepticism uh, on Nia's face about the argument made by R. Kelly's attorneys, okay, um, is noticeable. It's palpable. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I, I have a similar I have a similar thing when uh, when people suggest that Michael Jackson sleeping in beds with children in well into his adult years is was normal i'm like not really not people you're not related to like no that's weird that that's weird um and but um and the jury agreed with me and so i don't have to say allegedly because r kelly's lawyers cannot sue me and even if they did i don't have anything so there's nothing for them to get um but it it does bring out the question of that idea of if they seize your assets, it pushes you more likely into a deal if you can make a deal. Um, yes. Because you don't have money, you don't have cash flow of any for anything. So and, if and 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 and, 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 and that's you know, this is another reason why criminal defense attorneys don't like the RICO statute because frequently what prosecutors will do is charge a whole bunch of people in a criminal organization, okay, under RICO. And it's the subordinates who all of a sudden have their assets frozen, oh. okay, who are more likely to go ahead and turn. Because they have less squirreled away, they have less, <laughs> yes. they have fewer <laughs> options. Okay, I see. Okay, so um, so what ha what do you, if you, What's the damage? What are the damages? Like, okay, no, let me back up and say, Rico allows for uh, clearly jail time, but yes. is he also going to have to pay? Is there a is there a financial component to Rico? Uh, yes, um, both for criminal cases and then any subsequent civil lawsuits that the victims may want to bring against R. Kelly. Uh, Rico, the Rico statute allows for triple damages. Triple Wait, damages. But but I mean, like right now, does does R. Kelly owe money to the federal government or the state of New York or wherever it is that he was well, tried I'll, on these statutes? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Let's say R. Kelly had 
uh, a particular young person transported across state lines, and then he uh, forced them into prostitution. The prosecutor then can go ahead and make a claim in front of the judge that R. Kelly's enterprise made this amount of money on this person. And per RICO, R. Kelly, as part of his punishment, would have to pay a fine that is triple the amount of money he may have made on that offense I see. Or, uh, or on his prostitution enterprise, okay? Or remember my hypothetical of a few moments ago? You know, if I was pulling in every year, okay, a quarter of a million dollars on loan sharking, okay, and a federal prosecutor is able to convince a jury to find me, okay, in part guilty of loan sharking, right? And they claim, and they show evidence that I did loan sharking for 10 years. And in those 10 years, okay, I made... $2.5 million. $5 the prosecutor then could go ahead and ask the judge. For $8 million. Yes, to force me to pay a fine of $7.5 million. Wow. Now, more than likely, the prosecutor won't, but the prosecutor then uses that as leverage in regards to the punishment that is requested of a jury or a judge. So what we have now is a conviction. We don't yet have a sentence. That's correct. So you're yep. saying this is part of the sentencing. Yes. So what, what happens now is that both sides are going to make um, are going to make statements to the judge about what they think the punishment should be. Right. Yes. The defense is going to say um, time served and a home bracelet on his ankle and no restitution, restitution. And no more to and no a, more contact with young people. Right. And restitution to some sort of, you know, big brothers, big sisters or something like that. Right? Yeah. Like, and they'll yeah. pick up, they'll pick some amount that seems good to them. And then the prosecutors will say, no, 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 no. We want the full 10 years. We want R. Kelly made however much money off of this, or he benefited in some way. And we want him to pay $50 million dollars. And then the judge will decide something between those. And, yes. and that's what he'll be sentenced to. So he has not yet been sentenced to money, but there will be a financial or there could be a financial. There could be a financial element to, to his punishment. At okay. minimum, Nia, with the charges he was found guilty of, at minimum, he's going to spend 10 years in a federal prison. At minimum. If the judge goes for the high end, which by the way, the prosecutors will more than likely ask for. He could spend the rest of his life in a federal prison, okay? And that's wow. beyond, okay, any financial punishment. And then you have the civil lawsuit. I don't think R. Kelly can do his whole life in prison. <laughs> I mean, he folded like a paper sack on that interview with Robin, I can't remember what her name is, from ABC News where he lost his cookies and oh, yeah, stood up yeah. and was like, y'all are trying to kill me here. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. you're, you're prosecuting uh, uh, a successful uh, uh, African-American male. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yes. she's, 
an African-American female uh, interviewer (laughs) and she didn't raise her voice once like she didn't yell at him or you know he just lost his cookies and part of me thinks oh prison's not going to be easy for you my friend because other because people in prison are going to take a lot of uh, uh, pleasure in making you sad yeah well let's just put it this way there's a whole bunch of people in a federal prison um, who will raise their status, make their bones within that environment by harming R. Kelly. Right. Okay. And I'm assuming that he'll be, well, but in, under this kind of statue, he won't be in a place like Joliet, right? Like he won't be. He won't be in a country club. He won't be? He will not be. I mean, okay. But will I mean, he be in the super hard or will he just be in a medium um, I think he'll probably be in a medium, medium security facility. Um, he won't be in a so-called supermax uh, federal prison um, for the most violent criminals. Okay, you know uh, where we usually put you know you know serial killers, right. you know, mass terrorists, mass murderers, that kind of thing. Um, but he's not going to get a country club. Okay, okay. you know the uh, for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. Typically, those convicted of federal white-collar crime go to what's dismissively referred to as a country club prison, a country club facility. Martha Stewart did crafts in her prison. Yes. Like, she was in a extremely light... Yes, minimum security. Minimum security. security. She got to have her own clothes, like... Yes, it's a whole right? different animal than the kind you know, of prison you know, some, where some of, some of them, you know, are located in rather bucolic rural right. areas where, you know, hey, you might learn, you know, horseback riding or, right. you know, <laughs> lots you, of visitors, lots of you, you know, the you, commissary you might, has really nice quality food you can buy, stuff like that. Not like, yeah, you know, and then you, then you have Joliet or Alcatraz or. <laughs> the other places where they throw you in and forget you exist okay then you have medium security right i mean these are the people who you know typically got convicted of not white collar crime okay but perhaps not you know the most violent crimes right buying or selling drugs but not killing people while you're doing it doing it right and again i'm not dismissing right or the victims of r kelly's behavior I'm not dismissing the pain he caused. Which is a different animal. Okay, the abject terror um, that the prosecutors convinced a jury he was guilty of, right? Right. But there are differences in the facilities in regards to security, in terms of efforts to rehabilitate, okay? Because let's face it, in a supermax facility, Nia, there isn't any rehabilitation going on. No, that's where we, like I said, that's where we put you so we forget you and you don't, you're not back out in society. I mean, yeah. the people who come out of those prisons at the end are usually old and broken and they die relatively soon. Like it's not a, no, yeah. that's the, that's the throw away the key type of prison. And yes. while we could argue and we could, I mean, we could have a discussion about whether that's humane or not i it is not to my opinion but it but it's what we do when we believe that people are in the extreme of our criminal system yeah. 
the, the, the assumption in those facilities is that these people cannot be rehabilitated. I was going to say unredeemable. Okay, that they can not be released back into society, or if they ever are, it is as Nia, you described. They're old, they're broken, um, and they're not capable of replicating the crimes that got them there in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And we could talk about that endlessly because I have many, many feelings, um, but that is not the issue today. Can you uh, briefly tell us, so there are, there are very specific crimes that are in the racketeering um, statute. Yes. Right. And they're not, I mean, they're named specifically in order to yes. say that this is not just the mob that can do this. I mean, R. Kelly, no one has accused R. Kelly of being in the mob. No, I guess was, yeah. technically he had his own mob, but it wasn't the mob in the way we think of the mafia. It was just a mob in the way we think of, like, you know, the squad of a famous person. Yeah, he had a posse, right? Yeah, which is um, not quite the same as a mob. Yeah. So these these are broad enough that they apply to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, here are some of the underlying offenses that federal prosecutors can use. And oh yeah, by the way, folks, not only does the federal government have a RICO statute, nearly every state in the country subsequent to the federal law being passed, passed their own state versions, okay? So for instance, Illinois has brought state racketeering charges against uh, R. Kelly. <laughs> right, because he lives in Illinois, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, but here are some of the underlying offenses, right? And these are not just, if you will, mob or mafia offenses, right? So um, gambling, murder, kidnapping, extortion, arson, robbery, bribery, dealing in obscene matters, dealing in a controlled substance or listed chemical. So RICO can be applied to drug organizations. Okay. Okay, but I'm going to make a distinction about drug organizations once I get through my laundry list of underlying offenses, right? Okay. Any act of bribery, <laughs> bribery, counterfeiting, theft, embezzlement, fraud, okay? Obstruction of justice, slavery, okay? So some of these are your garden variety white collar crimes, right? You know, embezzlement, fraud, okay? Right. Em embezzlement of union funds. Because again, the feds learned a lot from trying to prosecute the connection of unions to the mob and they couldn't get anywhere, <laughs> okay? Okay. Because one of the... Uh, one of the allegations of the Kennedy administration was the mob was frequently laundering all of their illegal proceeds through unions. Through the unions, okay. And of course, the unions were willing to do it because they got a cut of the money that was being laundered, which meant they could have more robust labor unions. Right, better negotiation. Okay, you don't have to charge your members as much to participate in the union, and you would have a better reserve 
just in case an employer, okay, told you go on strike. Okay, fine, we'll go on strike because we have a reserve, okay, that will force you at some point as an employer to come back to the negotiating table and negotiate in good faith. Gotcha. Bank, bank, bankruptcy fraud or securities fraud, drug trafficking, which I'll get to a little bit in just a few moments, criminal copyright infringement. Our good friend Hillary uh, would love this, right? And, and Hillary will be coming back to visit us. Yes. Um, in the near future. We should ask her about this, about racketeering and criminal copyright infringement. Because think about the amount of money Hollywood has claimed it has lost. Oh, I see. People, so Pirate Bay. Yes. If they could figure out how to how to actually crim like a find the people in Pirate Bay, they would yes. accuse them of Rico. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. Of course, one of the big ones, money laundering and related offenses. Right. right? I mean, again, if you're running a criminal enterprise. Okay, that is based on cash transactions. What do you do with all that money? Right, you have to launder it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and uh, um, in Breaking Bad, he owns car washes. I think. Car like washes. he launders it through car washes, which is, Casal tells him you have to, you have to clean the money. You have to you have to bring it into a regular business. Laundry facilities, okay, you know, the coin-operated right. laundromats, etc. Any place, okay, that has a lot of cash transaction, right? You, you can just, launder, launder you just the money. add a little extra in. Yes. Every yep. day you add an extra thousand in and it's not noticeable. Oh, we're just having a really good month. Or we have a really good location or something. Okay. So those are some of the underlying acts you yeah. you uh have on your list one that you didn't mention that i want to just put out here okay because i find it fascinating um commission of murder for hire yeah so if you let us say that you are married to a person that you no longer want to be married to but instead of divorce, because you know it's going to be ugly and you know that you're not going to end up with the kids or the money or the house or the whatever, you decide you're going to have your spouse killed. Is and you that, hire somebody. Is, yes. is, is that under RICO? You could be charged with a RICO offense, particularly if the prosecution can go ahead and show that the murder for hire would financially benefit you, okay, in ways that you could not benefit if you didn't knock off your spouse or your offspring because you don't want to go ahead and give them, you know, money in a will or whatever the case may be. So you don't always have to have a posse to be charged with RICO. No, your posse would be the um, the vendor you you hired. <laughs> vendor, I like that. Hello, Murder for Hire Incorporated. I need to hire. I need to hire you, please. Well, okay. well spe speaking of Murder Incorporated, okay. Um, you know, part of the the myth around the mob in the United States was, starting in the 1930s and 1940s, 
there was at least one mob family in the New York, New Jersey area whose main business was to commit murder for the other families within the mafia. Wow. Murder Incorporated, okay? Um, and they engaged in a wide variety of, of, of crimes against person businesses from your garden variety, you know, you know, leg breaking, nose breaking, back breaking for those who would want to contract out the enforcement of their other enterprises to murder. Okay. There's a guy who can be hired to do anything, isn't there? And, and I know I'm betraying my economic background from my undergraduate days, you know, well, you know, you hired a vendor, right? But right. nevertheless, okay, you can basically contract out for a lot of criminal activity. The other thing that you have on your list that you didn't mention that I want to bring out because I think it's important is this is the, you could be charged under RICO for smuggling in illegal uh, or, or smuggling in non-documented individuals. Let me put that's it that right. way. I won't yeah. say illegal immigrants because I don't know if that's quite the right term, but undocumented individuals. You, you want to help somebody and that's lovely. And you're also going to take a cut of their pay for the first year because it's putting you in some danger. So you're like combining those two things. You bring them into the, into the country. The first time you take a cut from their pay at their job after they get here, right? Because it's financial gain. You can be. Well, yeah. In, in, in that or case, if they pay you to mule them, like if they pay you. The ten thousand dollars to get them into the United States, you can be charged with RICO. Well, let's go back to your first example concerning undocumented citizens. Let's say you run a business, okay? Your business is bringing in undocumented citizens into the United States, right? And for a fee, you will bring them in. You will set them up with a new identity, a social security number, which is fake. And you get them a job and in exchange you know for the next year to five years okay that person has to give you money you have committed at least three or four offenses that is a no-brainer racketeering case okay okay because one you violated federal law by bringing in an undocumented citizen two okay you set them up into a residence with phony ID and a social security number. So those are offenses two and three. And then four, you basically are placing them in a position of servitude. Right, slavery. So, but you were gonna to explain to us- um, About drugs. About yes. drugs. Okay, so um, uh, in addition to the RICO statute, Feds can also, okay, um, bring uh, charges in violation of the continuing criminal enterprise statute, which is also referred to as the kingpin statute. Okay. Okay. And the kingpin statute basically goes after 
drug traffickers, sex traffickers, for a long-term and elaborate conspiracy, okay? So let's go back to my example that I'm a mob boss. And let's say I've been doing this for 30 years, okay? And after numerous attempts, the federal prosecutors are finally able to get one of my main lieutenants to roll on me, to snitch. And that lieutenant has records, evidence, can provide testimony of how over this 30-year period, okay, I have been running this criminal enterprise. The feds have now a choice. They can either go after me with RICO, or they could go after me for the king for violating the kingpin statute. But they can't do both. Some prosecutors have attempted to do this, and judges have told them you got to pick one or the other. Because the kingpin statute, okay, even more draconian punishment, okay. I mean, the recommended punishment if you're found guilty for violating uh, the continuing criminal, criminal enterprise law, the kingpin statute, is life in prison. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. You know, so, yes. so in R. Kelly's situation, which was a 30-year situation, but I'm assuming that with kingpin, it's harder to get it. Like, it's harder yes. to get the conviction. Yeah. Yes. Because you're going to be in prison for one of the better things about the American judicial system is if the if something like, let's say, death is a potential outcome of the sentencing, then you have a lot more. There's a lot stricter guidelines to show that you did the thing because the outcome can be so catastrophic. So I'm assuming that with the kingpin statute, if it's life in prison, it's probably harder for a prosecutor to get a conviction. Yes. Than it would be under RICO. Otherwise, they would have gone after R. Kelly for that, right? Because they have proof of a long-term thing going on. But, but from what I read of the press reports of the R. Kelly trial, most of his subordinates in his enterprise refused to testify for the prosecution. I see. So they were better better off going under RICO than they were under this kingpin yeah. statute. Yeah. So the kingpin statute is what they pull out when they really want to slam you as hard as they possibly can. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, the head of drug organizations, right? I can't remember the, the Mex Mexican drug lord that uh, was brought up to the United States. He escaped and then they brought him back. Escobar. Yeah. Okay. Pablo Escobar. Uh, is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. I think it was Escobar and and his wife's now running that organization. Yeah, the the wife is running it now, right? So the the feds have an indictment out on her so that, you know, if she ever pops her head up, okay, you know, either the Colombian government or if she ever comes up to the United States to, you know, view her vast drug enterprise in the United States, she will be arrested for violating the Kingpin statute. Right. Um, yes. So, so to kind of wrap up this thing yes. with, with R. Kelly, which is what brought up the RICO to start with, he, he is looking at a minimum of 10 years in prison yeah. on this charge, on this conviction. Yeah. 
he is also looking at at least one more case. He's looking at the Illinois state case, which is also a RICO case, right? And so would those, will that mean 20 years in prison or would you serve both of those at the same time? Or is that up to the judge in a second case? If, you, if you're found, so you're found guilty, he gets sentenced, right? Let's say he's sentenced to, I don't know, I'm just making up a number 12 years, right? He's sentenced to 12 years. And, and then in, in Illinois, he's sentenced to 10 years. Does that mean he serves 22 years? Does that mean he serves 12 years? Like, or does that mean it's up to the judge? Well, it's up to the prosecutors bringing the case in Illinois, right? So, you know, the prosecutors in Illinois, if they got a conviction of R. Kelly, might go ahead and say to uh, R. Kelly's attorneys, um, we're willing to have him serve the sentences concurrently at the same time. Right. Right. Or they might just go ahead and say, yeah, we can't wait for your client to get out of federal prison <laughs> because we got a nice comfy cell. Okay. In one of our finer correctional institutions. Okay. That he can spend, you know, the next 10 to 15 years. Right. So it's entirely up to the prosecutors, right? As to whether or not they allow the sentences to be served concurrently, okay, or consecutively. In your opinion, will it influence the second, the state trial that the federal trial has gone against him? Um, if he I know gets, that it'll influence the civil ones, right? They'll all be yeah. much easier because. Yeah. yeah, because once you get a guilty uh, verdict in a criminal trial, um, for those who are filing, who might want to file a civil lawsuit against R. Kelly, there will be a whole bunch of facts that will be considered determinative. They've already been vetted in a court. Okay. okay? Um, if he gets a heavy sentence, I could see the Illinois prosecutors saying to the victims, okay, uh, of the crimes that they want to charge R. Kelly with, okay, um, you know, he's already going to spend time in jail. Do you want us to go forward with this? Oh, because they might decide to drop it if for financial reasons or or, or you know if the or if the victims just don't want to go through another trial another trial i mean cuz you know particularly they've been through a lot they've been through a lot right i mean and we know this about victims of you know sexual crimes right if they have to testify at a trial it's like they are reliving the horrific conditions that they've already suffered. Right. Um, and this is, you know, uh, one of the considerations of prosecutors. Okay. What are the wishes of the victims? Um, so, but I think we could, we could, um, I think that the take a big takeaway for me from this is that Rico is not just for mafia. Like I've always tied it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. to mafia activities. And I think if nothing else, R. Kelly has served the public um, interest in that he, this is, a, this is a way for us to educate ourselves that there are other people 
who who can be charged under this it's not it's not just a member of the mafia it's we i mean you heard the list of things that you could be charged for depending on what the prosecutors decide to do so yeah i mean re remember the first word in the rico statute is racket okay you know what are the criminal rackets what are the criminal enterprises okay that are being run by a single organization, a single person, a single family, right? Okay. And it's this idea that the criminal offenses are coordinated, right? right. And they're corrupt. Okay. Um, uh, and, and a lot of my students, you know, who, you know, are of an age to where you know, they've been huge fans of R. Kelly for, you know, most of their young lives were like, you know, what's this RICO statute that he was found guilty of? And I was trying to explain it to them. And then I started giving them hypotheticals, which, you know, they all found very entertaining when <laughs> I started describing myself as a mob boss, right? They're like, you know, Augie, the only thing you're in charge of is drinking a whole bunch of coffee every day. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and part and part-time nine-year-old yeah right um, okay and, and and as she gets older uh i i i'm you'll I'm, be less and less in charge yes i i'm more convinced <laughs> that i'm less in charge right okay is but he's got a lot in front of him doesn't he it's a it's a yes. yeah and there's um I will come back with you probably later when he gets sentenced and, and talk to you about it briefly then, because I'm curious to see what they do with the disposition of his assets, how all of that works out, how, who ends up, who ends up getting money, who ends up getting whatever. I'm interested yeah. to hear about all that. So maybe we could visit that when the, when the sentencing is complete, which who knows what that would be, right? Because sentencing from conviction to sentencing can be, can be several weeks to, to months. Yeah, several months. Yeah, I mean, it, it would not shock me if we don't find out until after the new year. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll come back and talk about it then. I would be happy to. Yep. Thanks. Thank you, Nia. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.